black truth, all black everything. We don't just ride the wave, we all black every day. Day, day, we all black every day. We all black every day. Black knowledge, black truth, all black everything. We don't just ride the wave, we all black every day. Day, day, we all black every day. We all black every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Black and Opinionated Podcast. I am your host, Antonio. In this two-part episode, I want to talk about a man that many of you may know and many of you may not know. This man changed the face of his country and people. A hero among the Haitian and Dominican people. He should also be considered a hero among the African-American people as well. Among his peers, he was known as Black Spartacus. Outside his peers, he was simply Toussaint Louverture. Toussaint Louverture was born on a brother plantation in the French colony of Saint Dominique, known as Haiti, around 1743. Born into slavery, Toussaint was educated by his godfather, Pierre Baptiste, a French man who lived and worked on the brother plantation. His master had given him a succession of important jobs. He became a livestock handler, healer, coachman, and steward. Even though Toussaint lived most of his life as a slave, he won the favor of the plantation manager. A devout Roman Catholic, he was literate in French, knew some Latin phrases, had skills in mixing herb potions, literate in Haitian Creole and African tribal language. At almost 50 years old, his fire and passion should have been burning out. The fire of a Haitian revolution transformed Toussaint. Within two years, Toussaint would electrify the world and send shivers down the backs of slaveholders across America. In August of 1791, a sudden slave revolt began in the northern province and soon spread to involve thousands of slaves across the colony. At first, Toussaint did not participate in the phase of the revolution, which began with the firing of the plantations. After hesitating a few weeks, he helped his former master escape and then joined the black forces who were burning plantations and killing many Europeans and mulattoes. Toussaint saw that more was needed if the slaves were to gain and keep their freedom. But there were dangers on all sides. The white people who were driven from the fertile plains were plotting in the seacoast towns. Spain and England, having declared war on France, were demanding a division of the Haitian spoils. He realized the incompetence of the rebel leaders and scorned their willingness to compromise with European radicals. The ever-watchful Toussaint realized almost immediately that the only hope for the Haitians was to drive a wedge between the contending forces. Toussaint seemed determined not to permit a white man to claim the honor of having freed the slaves. Collecting an army of his own, Toussaint trained and hardened a corpse of black troops in the tactics of guerrilla warfare. In 1793, he added to his original name the name Louvetule, meaning the opening, possibly referring to his tactical ability as a military commander. When France and Spain went to war in 1793, 
the black commanders joined the Spaniards of Santo Domingo or Dominican Republic. Toussaint took to field first as an ally of Spain against France, then as an ally of France against England and Spain. Knighted and recognized as a general, Toussaint demonstrated extraordinary military ability and attracted renowned warriors such as his nephew, Muiz, and two future monarchs of Haiti, Jean Jacques de Salonese and Henry Christophe. Toussaint's victories in the north, together with mulatto's successes in the south and British occupation of the coast, brought the French close to disaster. In May of 1794, Toussaint went over to the French, giving as his reasons that the French National Convention had recently freed all slaves, while Spain and Britain refused, and that he had become a Republican. He was criticized for the duplicity of his dealings with the one-time allies and for the slaughter of Spaniards at a mass. His switch was decisive. The governor of Saint-Domingue, Etienne Lavo, made Toussaint lieutenant governor. The British suffered severe reverses and the Spaniards were expelled. By 1795, Toussaint was widely renowned. He was a military genius. He was adored by blacks and appreciated by most Europeans and mulattoes, for he did much to restore the economy. Defying French revolutionary laws, he allowed many immigrant planters to return, and he used military discipline to force the former slaves to work. Convinced that people were naturally corrupt, he felt that compulsion was needed to prevent idleness. Laborers were no longer whipped. They were legally free and equal, and they all shared the profits of the restored plantations. He had complete control over his men. One never knew where his army was. He would disappear and reappear again where he is least expected. No one knew where his army was. Nor did they know how he managed to recruit or hide his supplies and treasury. But he, on the other hand, seemed to be well informed concerning everything that went on in the enemy camp. Using these tactics, Toussaint outmaneuvered General Maitland and forced the withdrawal of the English army. Historians say England lost 40,000 soldiers in a vain attempt to take the island from the black general. Racial tensions were eased because Toussaint preached reconciliation and believed that blacks had to learn from Europeans and Europeanized mulattoes. Though Toussaint worked well with Laveau, he eased him out in 1796. Ligi Felicity Sultanox, a French commissioner, allowed Toussaint to rule and made him governor general. But the self-discipline and abstentions general was repelled by the proposals of the European radical to exterminate the Europeans, and he was offended by Sultanak's atheism, coarseness, and immorality. After some devious maneuvers, Toussaint forced Sultanak's out in 1797. Next to go were the British, whose losses caused them to negotiate secretly with Toussaint, notwithstanding the war with France. Treaties in 1798 and 1799 secured their complete withdrawal. Lucrative trade was begun with Britain and the United States. 
in return for arms and goods. Two sons sold sugar and promised not to invade Jamaica or the American South. The British offered to recognize him as king of an independent Haiti, but scornful of pompous titles and distrustful of the British because they maintained slavery, he refused. Using his usual tactics, Toussaint outmaneuvered General Maitland and forced the withdrawal of the English army. Toussaint soon rid himself of another nominal French superior, Gabriel Hidouville, who arrived in 1798 as representative of the Directory of French Revolutionary Government. Knowing that France had no chance of restoring colonialism as long as the war with England continued, Hidouville attempted to pit against Toussaint Andre Rigaud, the mulatto leader who ruled a semi-independent state in the South. Toussaint discovered his purpose and forced Hidouville to flee. Succeeding Hidouville was Philip Rume, who deferred to the black governor. A bloody campaign in 1799 eliminated another potential rival to Toussaint by driving Rigaud out and destroying his mulatto state. A purge was carried out by John Jacques de Salonis in the South that was so brutal, reconciliation with the mulattoes was impossible. Controlling all Saint-Domingue, Toussaint turned to Spanish Santo Domingo, where slavery persisted. Ignoring commands to the contrary by Rume and by Napoleon Bonaparte, who had become first council of friends, Toussaint overran it in January of 1801, freed the slaves, and amazed the Europeans and mulattoes with his generosity. Having subdued external forces, Toussaint annexed the eastern two-thirds of the island and squashed the dissident force of mulattoes. By 1801, he was at the height of his power. In command of the entire island, Toussaint dictated a constitution that made him governor general for life with near absolute powers. He was then in his middle 50s, a lean man, small of stature, with large eyes and a broad, uptilted nose and prominent lips. He was not by any standard handsome, yet it was just something about this man. The face was strong, magnetic, noble even. And he had that generals and actors should have a personal presence. Catholicism was the state religion and many revolutionary principles received ostensible sanction. There was no provision for a French official. However, because Toussaint professed himself a Frenchman, and strove to convince Bonaparte of his loyalty. He also described his success in restoring order and prosperity in letters that, like all his writings, were ungrammatical, yet testified to the grabs, incisiveness, and depth of a formidable intellect. A French general once said, nobody can approach Toussaint without fear or leave him without emotion. Always alert to the drama of his cause, Toussaint usually wore a yellow madras handkerchief carelessly knotted about his head. When he entered Santo Domingo at the height of a triumphant army, he was dressed in a blue uniform with gold embroidered cuffs and epaulets. Vision, 
daring energy. Toussaint had all these qualities in abundance. He despised flattery and was contemptuous of titles and empty show. It seems he was also something of a Puritan. He forbade divorce and kept a stern eye on the moral tone of the country. When an attractive young French girl appeared at a social function in a low-cut dress, Toussaint modestly covered the exposed flesh with his handkerchief and asked the girl's mother to take her home. According to historians, he was puritanical cynical, at least as far as other people's morals were concerned. There is a veiled reference to reports that Toussaint had a number of mistresses of varying size and ages. It is well worth noting that the Haitian leader remained devoted to his wife, Suzanne, and their two sons. After the revolution, Toussaint embarked on an extraordinary career as an administrator. Roads were built, buildings were repaired, the administrative machinery was overhauled. With enemies all around him, with the major powers waiting for him to make a mistake, Toussaint decreed total mobilization, making every citizen a soldier and imposing a heavy tax schedule to finance an ambitious program of arms procurement. French military historian Colonel Poyen said Toussaint was responsible for the most extraordinary activity in all departments of the administration. He busied himself with the building of the fortifications, the stocking of the arsenals, the acquisition of supplies, the instruction and discipline of the army. Hope you guys enjoyed part one of the series. Part two would definitely be out soon. If you like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends and family about the podcast. You can message me at blackopinionated at gmail.com. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Peace. We do it for the people, yes, black and opinionated. Black knowledge, black truth, all black everything. We don't just ride the wave, we all black every day. Day, day, we all black every day. We all black every day. Black knowledge, black truth, all black everything. We don't just ride the wave, we all black every day. Day, day, we all black every day. We all black every day.